All right. Well, thank you. It is great to be back at 11-11. It's been a crazy summer. I kicked things off with open heart surgery, which is a lot of fun. More on that later, weeks to come. Uh, And then around July the 9th, I began preaching out at our West Campus, I-10 and Fryer Road at 11 o'clock. That's where I've been the last two months as we have had the great Terry Kurtz and others bring the word to us. Terry, thank you. So, big day today, opening the new building, the children's building. Have you seen that? So check this out. You can either walk up the stairs to the fourth floor, or you can take the elevator, or you can take the slide that goes And yesterday, I took the slide, and it is a blast. We live here in Space City, NASA, right? We're known for that. And uh, one of the movies that kind of further, I guess, uh, endeared America to our city was Apollo 13 with Tom Hanks. How many of you saw Apollo 13 with Tom? Listen. Some of you folks, if you've not seen Apollo 13, it's, it's an iconic movie. It's a true story about, I won't tell you what it's about. It's just amazing what these group of astronauts did many years ago. But the star that, um, or the astronaut that Tom Hanks was playing is a guy by the name of Jim Lovell. And Jim Lovell wrote a book called Apollo 13. And in that book, he talks about an incredible story when he was first Uh, really kind of launching out as a naval fighter pilot. Now, this is in 1950 when he tells this story. He and two other um, of his colleagues were on a mission in the Sea of Japan, and they were practicing and working on taking off, going out, and coming back on an aircraft carrier at night. Again, let me remind you, 1950, okay? did not have all the bells and whistles and technology that we had today. So Level talks about the story where he went out on this mission and he got up in there with his two other colleagues and they were flying and there were clouds everywhere and it covered any sense of stars and the moon and, so, and somehow, some way, he got separated from the other planes. And after a while, of course, you're checking the fuel. He's saying, hey, I've got to get back to the aircraft carrier. I've got to land my plane, a la Top Gun, not to mix movies, on this aircraft carrier. He can't find his other, other pilots up there and there. All of a sudden, his instrumentation on his plane starts connecting accidentally with some instrumentation on the shores of Japan. And then he looks down at his, I don't know, what do you call it, cockpit dashboard or something. It goes completely black. He has no lights whatsoever. He says he feels like he is just flying in circles over the turbulent waters of the Sea of Japan. He said he can't tell up from down. He could not tell what was the night sky and what was the dark ocean below as darkness enveloped his plane. 
Now, when someone shared that story with me this week, a story that I'd never heard, and we'll, we'll get back to it in a little bit, I thought about the world and the culture that we live in today. We live in a unique time in America, a unique time in the Western civilization where we see what I think is an encroaching darkness that's causing a lot of chaos, that's causing a lot of anxiety, that's causing a lot of fear in the world that we live in. And when you think about darkness and its effect, how darkness can cause fear in your heart or my heart, and how when we kind of give ourselves over to darkness, the chaos it can cause in our life or in the lives of others, we ask ourselves the question, what, what do we do? What do we do about this present darkness? What does God want us to do to try to somehow navigate the darkness we see in the world, but also the darkness we see in our own lives? What do we do? What do we need? Well, let's see what God has to tell us because God says a lot to us about how to fly blind, how to navigate the darkness in your world and the darkness in your own life. If you have a Bible, open them with me to the book of 1 John. 1 John is a small book at the very back of the Bible, right before you get to Revelation. Tap on the brakes and park it at 1 John chapter number one, verse six following. He writes, if we claim to have fellowship with him, and that him is referring to God, if we claim to have a relationship with God and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' his son purifies us from all sin. When I was a little boy growing up in the Carolinas, I had an older brother, Ed, two years older than me, taller than me, bigger than me. He's still taller than me and bigger than me. But for some reason or another, my brother Ed, though he was bigger, taller, stronger, was afraid of the dark. He was afraid of the dark. He had some kind of weird belief that upstairs where we lived, that there was a little, quote, a little man that lived in a closet. And one time my mom actually went upstairs and said, Ed, there's not a little man that lived in your closet. She opened the closet and there was a vacuum cleaner there. But it didn't matter, fear is irrational. And he was afraid of the dark. So whenever we you know, come to our house and had to go up the stairs to the second floor where our bedrooms were, he would always say, Ben, you go first. Sometimes you get scared at night and come sleep in the bed with me. My older brother, he's afraid of the dark. So like, you go ahead. So in this passage, we see the antidote to darkness. We see the solution and what we need. We need light. 
We need light. Light dispels the darkness. Light gives us clarity. Light gives us direction and dispels the fear and anxiety. We need light. The Bible is all about light. Open the book, the beginning, Genesis. You're at verse 3, I believe, in Genesis 1-3. And God said, let there be, let there be light. Let there be light. And then we get to the, create, the Christian creation story in John 1-1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shined in the darkness, but the darkness did not understand it. Then Jesus comes along in that same gospel in John 8, and it says, I am the light of the world. Paul, who used to walk in darkness all the time, but converted to Christianity, said that we should live in light of the gospel, the good news, that we should walk, Ephesians 5, 8, as children of the light. And then John puts the exclamation on it, doesn't he? He says, do not walk in darkness. Do not walk in darkness, but to walk in the light as he, God himself, is in the light. So we need light. We need light in order to be the light, right? If we're going to be a light, if we're going to shine and, and God's life is going to be expressed through us, we need God's light in our life. We need to follow that light. I love this quote by Frederick Nietzsche, okay, Nietzsche said this. He said, the essential thing in heaven and earth is that there should be a long obedience in the same direction. There, thereby results and has always resulted in the long run something which has made life worth living. We need long obedience in the same direction as he, God, is lighting our path. But the problem is, we all experience, is that we have this tendency in our lives, in our hearts and minds, that gives way to darkness, right? We know the light. We know God's light. We know that he can give us the direction and the wisdom and the power we need. But many times we fall prey to the darkness. So what do we need to do? We need to walk away. We need to walk away from the things in our life, areas in our life that are dark, that are taking us down a dark path. So what is it we need to walk away from? I'm glad you asked. Think about the acrostic R E. C, wreck, R. We need to walk away from resentment. Resentment. Resentment means to feel again. 
Resentment occurs when you take an offense that you've received by an event or someone in your life and you replay it over and over and over again. And you re-feel that emotion connected to that event and that offense. And resentment leads to anger and anger leads to bitterness. And there are all types of physiological and psychological problems that are caused when we harbor resentment. Resentment. We need to walk away from it. If you struggle with resentment, it'll eat your lunch. It'll poison your life. It'll take you down a very dark, dark path. So if I'm gonna walk in the light, I've gotta walk away from the darkness that is the R, resentment. E is envy. Envy is basically wanting other people's stuff. You want their looks, you want their smarts, you want their money, you want their stuff. And so you're envious, right? Envy. Always tell people, oh, careful, don't be counting other people's money. Don't do that. One of my favorite quotes, remember this, materialism begins where my income ends. <laughs> envy, envy. The sea and wreck is control. You know, you feel like you have to control everything and everybody and all the contingencies and all the consequences, and you have to control, 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 manipulate, control, 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 control. You gotta walk away from that. Hyper control, there's some things you can control and God wants you to control. Don't, don't mishear me, okay? But there are some things in your life and situations where God's gonna put you in that you cannot control and you have to let go. You have to walk away from control. That's the R-E-C in wreck. Walk away from resentment. It's poison in your system. Walk away from envy and walk away from control. You gotta let it go. So to sum this up, this section, to quote one of the great theologians of the 20th century, Ice Cube, <laughs> check yourself before you wreck, R-E-C, wreck yourself, okay? Think about it. Don't wreck yourself, R-E-C. Ask God to check yourself. By the way, we're not good at checking ourselves. That's where that song breaks down. Sorry. I'm sure he made a billion dollars off of it. But because we're, we're great at living in denial, right? Man, we, you, you need accountability. You need someone else to help you realize what you need to check in your life. And ask God, God, shine your light in my life. If there is a darkness of resentment or envy, or you know, control, or D, all the above, then God, I wanna walk away from that. So what is it 
that's preventing you from walking in the light? What is it you need to walk away from? Let's, let's go, let's just drill a little bit down more. How about who? Who is it you need to walk away from? The who is a whole lot harder than the what, isn't it? When God convicts you, say, if you're in a, just hypothetically, if you're in a dating relationship and it's not working, or that dating relationship is dragging you down and taking you to this dark place, but you keep going back to this person, you keep going back to this relationship thinking it's gonna change. It's not going to change. That's God's warning sign. I love this, applause for breaking up. That's God's warning sign to get out and to say, watch, this is how you do it, it's really complicated, goodbye. Just say bye. Say goodbye to that person. Say goodbye to that relationship because that's not what God wants for you. How about friendships? You're trying to walk a different path in your life. You're trying to live a different way. You're trying to walk in the light. You're trying to break free of certain habits, but you go back to the same old friends who take you to the same old places and they want to do the same old thing. You need to say goodbye to those old friends and walk away. They're just leading you farther down that dark spiral. Business in a relationship with a person or another group or company and there's something in your gut, there's just something down inside the whole time that's been telling you, oh, I don't know about this. Listen, before the people, you know, dressed in navy blue raincoats and yellow letters in the off, on the back come into your office, get out now if you have that conviction to walk away, say, say goodbye to that, say goodbye to it. So if we're gonna walk in the light, we've gotta say goodbye to the what and walk away from the what, and we also, as God convicts, walk away from the who. And many times we, we need God's power to do that. Because we don't have the strength to do it, we can say, God, I need your light, I need your power to really say no to these areas of darkness in my life, to walk away from the what and to walk away from the who. So that's a, if you wanna mix metaphors here, that's the defense, okay? Christianity is like, it's like football, Texas. You gotta have a good defense and you gotta have a good offense, right? That's the defense. What's the offense of walking in the light? How do we walk in the light? Briefly, okay? How do we walk in the light? First of all, daily, we walk in God's Word. God's Word, okay? You're wondering, hey, I wonder what God wants me to do today. I wonder what God wants me to do tomorrow. I wonder what God's will is for my life. Listen, God's will is found in God's Word, okay? God's will is found in God's Word. You want more guidance from God? Get into God's Word. And hey, that's what we do, we're, we're all about that. 
here at our church. We're all about trying to learn and study and apply, apply God's word. We have Bible studies, no matter where you are, it's what level you are, we have Bible studies for you. We're thinking this year about launching, listen to this, some women's Bible studies. That's a joke. We have one million women's Bible studies here at Second. The women are saying, we need a men's Bible study. We have those too. But we have to walk in the light of God's word daily. I need God's word, his truth, daily flowing through my life. Why? Because I'm tempted to fall away in the drag of the darkness. And I want to be light. I want to be light. So I need the light of God's word. What else do we need to do? We need to walk in the light of worship. That's weekly. You say, hey, Sundays are for me and my family, me and my house. We are going to church. You're here right now. You're doing that. Check the box. Worship's critical to sing and to focus on God who knows you and made you, to, to give, to worship, to listen to a message from his word, to have the community, the fellowship, as John talks about here in this passage. We need that, and that's worship. And then how else we do? We walk in the light of work. Work. I thought for a long time growing up that work was a consequence of the fall, right? Adam and Eve messed up, ate the fruit, there's a fall. Now you're going to have to work. No. Reread Genesis 1 and 2. God instituted, gave us work before the fall, when everything was perfect, when everything was hunky-dory. We had to work. Work is where we get a sense of fulfillment, creativity, a sense of purpose. And we are to be lights for God in our work, whatever your work is. Maybe that's your job. Maybe that's when you're in school. Maybe that's when you're home raising kids as a mom or dad. I don't know, but we need to be light in those different contexts. So we need to walk in the light of our work Monday through Friday and say, God, I want to be a light for you and my company. God, I want to be a light for you and my school. I want to be a light for you and my home and my family. I want to be a light for my coaches, my teachers, my friends. I want to be a light in the midst of this present darkness. All right. We left astronaut Jim Lovell flying in darkness, flying without any instrumentations, trying as he is cruising, diving through the darkness over the rough sea of Japan, trying to find that aircraft carrier to land that plane. Can you imagine? So finally he said, as he wrote in the book, his eyes started to adjust to the night. And he looked all around and he looked down and he saw something shimmering and Shiny, He said it was this green light. And he knew because he was a naval pilot that what was happening was, was the aircraft carrier was churning up 
in, in its propellers this phosphorescent green algae that was like a glowing light. And so Lovell took his plane and he followed that algae all the way to the aircraft carrier and landed it safely at home. In the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the utter life and death situation, he just needed a little bit of light to land his plane safe and secure. 